I'm not just happy, I'm her pal. This is Power Up Life, the podcast. I'm your host, Gianna Lucas, co-founder and CEO at Hapal, the social enterprise that powers this podcast. We help you slay life in high school, uni, and beyond. Each week on the show, you'll learn epic life skills in a super chill way. Hear from well-known legends as they reveal their biggest setbacks and milestones to date, and you'll find out what our Hapal squad think about a whole stack of topics too. From epic challenges to super raw moments, this show has it all. So let's power up life. The AFL final season is upon us. Now, whether you're a footy fan or not, it's a time where loads of Aussies come together, well, at least out of COVID, and celebrate sport and community across the country. And if you're in Victoria, you even get a public holiday every year right before the grand final. Now, I'm in Victoria, so yay. (laughs) This year's footy season, like everything else, hasn't quite gone to plan. The season had a few stop-start moments along the way, which in the end led Led to the creation of an AFL hub up in sunny Queensland. Now, just before the big move to Queensland took place, I had the opportunity of chatting with an AFL player who's on a mission to create a better world when it comes to men's mental health. This guy is an absolute legend and is so authentic. So on that, I'm excited to introduce you to this week's guest on Power Up Life. AFL player and number 19 for the Melbourne Football Club, Mitch Hannon. Woo! As well as being an AFL player, Mitch is also the co-founder of Mendel, a lifestyle brand with all profits from their apparel going to men's mental health charities. Amazing, right? Now, on top of this week's awesome challenge, which is pick your pill up, by the way, Mitch and I talk about his childhood, growing up on acreage with his family, his love for gymnastics and footy, his world during high school and uni before his professional footy career began, why he co-founded his social enterprise Mendel and his big goals for it, his mission to break down stigmas in the AFL world, especially being a heavily dominated male industry, the pressures that come with being a professional athlete and public figure, the effects of social media on mental health and his advice, which is awesome by the way, and Mitch even opens up about his long battle with anxiety and how it's made him who he is today. And let me tell you, you are going to love this convo. It's amazing. He's phenomenal. Also, a quick content warning on this episode. As we talk about a range of mental health issues, listener discretion is advised. And if you do need someone to talk to, you can always ring the wonderful people at Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Kids Helpline on 1800 1800. Now that's out of the way. Let's power up life. Nice seeing you, Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me. Full disclosure, mate. I have indirectly become a Melbourne Football Club fan because of my husband, Brendan, who has been diehard since he was born. He's been a member of Melbourne Football Club for about 17 years. And uh, I, over the last decade being with him, have seen the peaks 
and the troughs with Melbourne Football Club, but I, um, I've grown to love love the team, and I think you're very fortunate to have some pretty awesome teammates in the club. Great to hear, number one, that you're you're a Melbourne supporter now. We need um we need all the support we can get coming off the off the year we had last year, but no, we're um definitely looking forward to the year ahead, even though it's um probably not going to be the typical year of football that everyone likes to see. Good to have as many supporters on board as we can. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. It's actually a lot of fun. I go to quite a few games or have been in the past. It's electric and there is a beautiful community within the Melbourne Football Club supporters. And I've learned so much about the history of the club. And I think someone who I, who I look up to, especially because of the work that he's done in the youth space and the Reach Foundation, of course, is the late Jim Steins. You know, what an incredible guy you had for many years back in the club and obviously playing for the club as well it's 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 wonderful you've had that it is yeah he's um he's carried a bit of a legacy gym and he's um we've got we've got a small sort of supporter base compared to some of the other bigger clubs but we've got quite a proud supporter base sort of carrying the name of the city mm-hmm. as our club name and yeah people like jim who who lived our values uh, we're very happy to draw upon his his thoughts and feelings and things that he said and sort of try carry that out through the footy club i would love to ask you a question that I, I guess many Melbourne supporters, but general footy supporters are asking is how are you, the players, coping with the craziness of COVID-19 and knowing are we starting, are we stopping, when are we playing, when's the season starting? I understand that training has commenced recently. So how do you feel about all of that? Like, I guess you've got more information than what we do, but I'm guessing you have to really stick together as teammates just to get yourselves through this time. We definitely do, yeah. We're at a, a position now where we're sort of back training. We're training in small groups and we're sort of trying to do everything we can to sort of get this season started because it's in our our best interests and also the interests of, of the wider community to sort of have football back because it's such a loved thing by fans and family and, and obviously us playing it so we kind of need to sort of I guess abide by a separate set of rules to the general public and still kind of remain on a level of sort of lockdown and responsibility to sort of keep ourselves fit and healthy so that we can sort of provide that service to the community so we're we're back training um, and we're looking at getting back playing in a, in a few weeks so it's exciting it's trending in the right direction <laughs> it sure is and I think I heard not too long ago that they're thinking of potentially doing a night grand final which would be super cool did you hear I about that I haven't heard that no <laughs> <laughs> you're one step ahead of me I think I said oh this to you before. I'm, I'm I'm not normally up to speed with some of the um the media, so you. <laughs> I think it was Eddie Maguire saying it. So whether it's official or not, obviously, like he was basically saying it looks like it will be. I could be way off. Maybe I dreamt it, but I think to be honest with you, if it is a night grand final, I don't think it makes too much difference. In fact, I think it would actually be amazing to have a night game as a final anyway. I love it. I love the idea of change, and we're obviously going through a period of change. <laughs> it is so. Yeah. We've had to play with no crowds and so forth. So the idea of playing at night for the final game of the year it sounds pretty awesome to me so yeah. agreed I uh, so right. lots of us you know you're an incredible footballer and there is one video that I have seen again and again and again probably forced upon me I'll be honest uh, from Brendan <laughs> and it was the 2018 game between Melbourne and Geelong and it was a final the final round before I think finals and it was basically the Geelong or Melbourne was going to make it and then basically just in the last like few seconds you come running out of nowhere with the footy and you end up kicking it and you end up getting a goal like you scored obviously the final six points and the crowd went absolutely electric including Brendan and I guess you're known for being the guy who saved the day how does it feel being such a superhero and having such a legacy behind you especially in that moment (laughs) <laughs> I definitely wouldn't call it superhero material. No, it's, it's, it's something I'm very proud to have happened and, and thankful to be a part of. It was one of Melbourne's first winning finals in some time. 
And so I know that from the previous history, like your husband would know, Melbourne's gone through some tough times finding themselves at the bottom of the ladder and, and not having a lot of success. So to sort of be a part of that team that brought a lot of joy to the fans and also be a part of that moment towards the end of the game, which helped us seal the game is something that I'm, it's just happenstance. So I'm like during the moment, you don't really know, you're just playing footy, you're full of adrenaline, you're kind of in the zone and you don't really sort of think about the, the biggest scheme of things. But looking back on it, like it's obviously one of the highlights of my career. So it's great to reflect on every now and then. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Congratulations. And I think going back to, you know, much younger Mitch, I did some Googling and uh, you're, you li- well, you used to live an hour away from Melbourne in Gisborne. So it's about, it's Western area of Melbourne, isn't it? Yeah, Northwest. Northwest? Yeah. About, yeah. How was drive out of the CBD northwest yeah. in the Macedon Ranges? I I don't know if you'd call it exactly country, but it's it's enough to sort of have a few acres of land out there and sort of feel a little bit excluded from the city. So yeah. definitely a beautiful part of the world to sort of grow up in. So what was life like for you growing up in Gisborne? You said there was obviously a lot more land compared to the the small blocks that we have in you know closer to the CBD. Was that something that you absolutely just loved growing up and having that space just to run around? What was life like yeah. for you as a teenage Mitch? So. I've got two sisters. I have a twin sister and a, a younger sister. So they were, thankfully enough, quite active women as well in terms of this, this sporting prowess. They were happy to sort of kick the footy every now and then or go out for runs and so forth. And I was lucky enough to grow up very close to a footy oval as well as having a little bit of land around me. But I guess when you're at a young age like that, you kind of take it for granted, really. I didn't know much about the city life and was very much cooped up out there, just enjoying playing local football and, and going to high school and playing all different types of sports, ranging from, I started off with gymnastics, actually. That was my first. Hang yeah. on, stop. <laughs> gymnastics, get out of town. Yeah, it's one of the most bizarre things I've done, but I um, I love to reflect on, like go back and reflect on it because it was a fun few years. I did it from about the age of eight to 13. So five, five or six years. Funny story, actually. I ended up just giving it the boot purely because I didn't want to go to high school saying I did gymnastics, even though I was loving it. That was my first little um, sporting venture. And then from there, like most active kids, played a bit of cricket, footy, athletics, cross country which were all good fun and and readily available out in the country and whether it be at a sporting club or sort of on your own accord, just on the land that we had out there. So that was definitely something I was very grateful for. How was it when you decided that you had a love for footy particularly, because obviously it's what you're a professional footballer, was it something that you just went, oh, I'm really, really good at this? Like, or did someone say, hey, mate, you're good at footy, you should go professional? Like, what? how does that sort of whole process work? Probably a bit of a backwards journey compared to some guys that find themselves in the, the professional field. I just grew up, grew up playing for footy. I was always quite good at it, but I kind of, in the physical sense, grew very late. So I, I went through a lot of my junior career, sort of sitting around in the middle of the pack as I was a few inches shorter and a few kilos lighter than all of my mates. And I sort of battled with that a little bit through my, my high school years until I didn't really have my growth spurt until I was in about the end of year 12, really. The idea of professional football or professional sport in general was never really on my radar because my, I was never really playing at that level just due to my physical size. But hang on, just to interrupt you there, I know footballers come in all shapes and sizes. Like you got your, your tall ones yep. and then you've got your, your short ones. <laughs> like don't you need a spectrum so you can get over the top and under people? Like isn't that yeah, what you they do, want? Yeah, I just like I, I know what you mean. I, I probably, probably would have fit the mould to be a – a small forward at that time, but I hadn't really physically had my, my growth spurt or gone through, gone through puberty. So I didn't really have like the muscle or the physical mm-hmm. size to sort of compete with guys that were my age at that time to sort of put myself on the radar to getting drafted. So for me, that process happened a lot later. I was, um, I just had to sort of carry on playing football, just or sport in general, more purely for enjoyment, carried on with schooling, um, managed to go to uni for a few years. What did you study? 
I did a course in architectural drafting. Another surprise again from, from <laughs> I was going to say, gymnastics to, um, <laughs> to architecture to AFL. So yeah. ha- that's super cool. Did you end up finishing? I did that at RMIT in the city and I finished that course and then actually started working full time for about seven or eight months before footy sort of took over and I'm wow. um, uh, a full-time role with, with Melbourne. So um, Epic. What a cool story. <laughs> there's a few ups and downs in there. That's for yeah. sure. And yeah. I guess now you're a bit of an entrepreneur too, because you've obviously created with your co-founder Mendel, which is a lifestyle brand that sells apparel and all profits made from all your tops that are sold go to support men's mental health charities, especially those based in Melbourne. Firstly, can I just say that is so wonderful that you you've created this. I think it's so needed. But I imagine though that this was created for a reason and that you felt very much called to be a part of men's mental health movement. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey with mental health as well? Because you've even said before, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs in your own world. Yeah, mental health is, is something that I've always been very passionate about. And that that comes from a mixture of some first and secondhand experiences with it. For me, I've gone through my own personal battles with mainly around the ideas of some anxiety of, of life that sort of started from about the age of 20. And for me, it sort of happened on and off through that period. And it wasn't until about sort of 2017, 2018, where things probably got to their worst and we can touch on that later if you like but over after overcoming that that sort of period it, i recognized it as something that sort of needed to be a priority in my life one of the hardest things i found at that time was just having conversations in general and sort of admitting to myself that i wasn't feeling quite right and then and following that admitting it to my family and friends i just wanted to when I, once i found myself in quite a good headspace i just wanted to sort of try and relish the opportunities that i have at the moment being in the afl world with some good connections and and a financial position to be able to sort of create something which I enjoy for one, which is is fashion and apparel, and then try and create that into some sort of movement towards mental health awareness and creating conversations amongst men my age. It's just so like I'm almost speechless. I'm I'm never speechless. I, I often talk too much, but I just I'm so <laughs> taken aback by your sincerity. And I know no one can see you right now because this is a podcast, but I can just see how genuine you are on this call. And it's such a privilege to speak with you. And no doubt that Mendel is going to do extraordinary things as it grows in future. And what I love about what you said was you have capacity and you've decided to to give back. And that is something if each and every human did that on this planet, doesn't matter how big or small, doesn't matter what your capacity is, if we decided to be selfless and go, you know what, I, because of my skill set or the time that I have or the money that I have, I can actually invest and change someone's life, then this world would be a beautiful place to live in. And thank you so much for doing your part. And I do want to ask you a little bit about your journey. And But before I do, I think one of the most incredible things through Mendel is that you're in, you're allowing conversations to be had. And I, I'm obviously not a footballer. I'm not a part of the AFL world. But for me, in the circles I move in, and especially with creating Hapal, we are trying to break down stigmas that are out there. We're trying to increase conversations and build trust and, and really positive communication amongst young people, amongst families, amongst teachers, you name it. Can you tell us a little bit about the footy world? Have you seen, you know, in the last few years that you've been in in this world, have you noticed that communication around mental health is improving? How do you guys talk to each other if you're not having the best day? Able to say, I've just, how do you do that? Especially because I've always known as footy to be a man's game. You've got to always be strong. You can't, you know, you can't tell people how you feel. Is that still around? (laughs) Look, to be honest, there's probably an element of it. 
that's still there. And that's a lot of what I'm trying to sort of create with Mendel and help to sort of break that down. But it's definitely without saying that it's, it's, it's a changing environment currently right now. It's kind of trending the idea of being open and honest and being able to express your feelings, uh, even in a, a heavily male dominated industry mm. like the, the AFR world is. That's great for it to see. I'm sure that there's, there's similar circumstances to people out there in the business world who are probably internalizing things and struggling to have some of these conversations. But from a football world, which is what I'm in currently, it probably starts from the top, which is some of the leaders amongst the, the group, but also the coaching staff to sort of implement this idea of openness and and being connected where we sort of, they're trying to create a, an environment where guys can be vulnerable, open up, um, have some of these conversations, which you get to sort of understand your teammates a little bit better, or you can sort of discuss some of the things that that you might not otherwise do could create an environment which is a little bit more forgiving and an understanding of, of what people might be going through behind closed doors. And I'm so glad to hear that it is changing. And I think COVID-19 will probably, I imagine, advance that more because a lot of people are asking more questions. You're not able to see each other all the time. So you're wondering how is so-and-so going at home? How are they feeling? Especially are they living on their own? Are they living with housemates? Are they living with family? So I think, yeah, I'm so glad to hear that that stigma is going away. That's wonderful. Mitch, social media is a big part of our world. If a young person is listening right now, what would be some words of wisdom you can share with them when they're getting overwhelmed by that need be in all the time and be seen in a particular way? What would you say to them if they're feeling overwhelmed? that I feel, I feel like social media itself plays an important role in the sense that we obviously everyone a lot of the majority of us use it just to sort of connect with the people around us and including that is like your, your close family and friends who you do want to see what they're doing and comment on and and likewise show some of your own photos and experiences and so forth but I feel like there's this other sort of element to it where there's people sort of follow someone that they look up to which a lot of what they sort of maybe posting is I guess a false sense of reality and, and and people sort of begin to see that over and over again and and compare and and want to have and and so forth so I guess what I'd say to someone if they're sort of finding themselves in a headspace that they're not too happy with or they're, they're struggling to kind of try and distance themselves from people that they're not that close with because it is very easy to sort of fall into this cycle of seeing what other people have seeing what other people are doing and sort of comparing it to what what your where your life sits and it's sort of not marrying up I, I never really i would never sort of tell people to sort of completely go off social media but that's always an option just to step away and give yourself a break but more so just sort of stick to those or the followings of those that you you sort of care about or are close to because that that'll sort of yeah. best resemble the life you probably want to live i think sometimes taking time out to detox from social media isn't a bad thing you know no, whether you just hide your account or you turn off your notifications it can make all the difference can't it it definitely can i've definitely done it myself in the past it's very easy to just sort of get wrapped up in your phone but every now and then everyone needs to sort of step back and have a look at life as a whole and i'm sure people have probably done that with what's going on with COVID at the moment they've got so much time on their hands and they've been able to sort of step back and have a look at what's important and a part of that is probably figuring out what in your life you probably should be doing rather than staring at your phone. So um, (laughs) a digital detox is definitely something I'd recommend. So will I. And I think you you raised something just very quickly there and you said, you know, looking at the world around you because the world in our phone is small. This is just me speaking metaphorically. You know, it's nice and small, but if you look up, the world or actually the physical world around us is amazing. And I think sometimes we're looking down all the time. We're not looking up enough. Like I'll go for walks and I'll bring my phone with me and sometimes I'll flick through my phone. No, Gianna, naughty. Like, you know what I mean? Look around you. Look at nature. Like, you know what I mean? Look at the houses. Obviously, don't stare into people's windows, but, you know, look look at where you're walking, not always down yeah. at your phone. Like I, I fall into that trap too. So I think there's some sound advice there. I've actually done that recently. I've, um, like I said, 
that I've been sort of walking the town a little bit more regularly and I've made a point of doing it with my housemate and we don't take our phones. We just like have a chat in general, but it's, it's amazing how much you kind of like observe and just sort of become a little bit more present when you're not, you haven't got that phone vibrating and you kind of like look at it. I'm not going to lie. The first few walks were hard because I was kind of like, Oh, I'm like, I wonder what that person said to that text or so forth. But then you kind of begin to look forward to it. So yeah. it's um, definitely worthwhile. Yeah, and the person's going to still be there at the end of the line. You know what I mean? If you miss a call, just ring them back, text them later. And now a little bit about your journey. Can you can you touch on that and how you said that in, I think you said 2017, 2018, things were sort of going a bit haywire in your world. So I know that like upon reflection, um, some of the things that were going on in my life were far from catastrophic. They weren't, nothing really bad had happened. It was probably just a combination of things brought me to feeling this this overwhelming feeling of anxiety, really. I had... Um, my partner at the time who I'd been with for six or seven years, we'd fallen apart. I had some, my, my parents fall apart as well. I'd moved out of home, which was just recent because into the footy world. And then I had to the pressures of the footy world itself, where you're sort of battling with the idea of selection, finding a spot in the team, uh, working out what you might want to do life after footy as well. And it sort of all came together as, uh, I get, like I said, if you break them down individually, there's just things that happen through the course of life. And and kind of understand and process them and deal with them. But for me, I found myself in this headspace, which I was unfamiliar for me and it was spiraling, spiraling dramatically to a, to a point where I was just really struggling to cope as a human. I was, I was struggling to function in the sense that my sleep was getting disrupted, uh, my eating patterns. And as you can imagine, being a footballer, they're two very vital things just to even be able to go out there and, and function. Like you can, you can battle with some of these things behind closed doors, maybe in the working world, and it can be a little bit less seen. But for me, it was um, quite evident that I... I the way I was feeling was going to be found out soon enough. So I just felt like I sort of needed to reach out before things got any worse, really. I was already sort of trying to hide things as best as I could. And like I said, now upon reflection, that's probably not the best way to go about it. I, I really didn't want anyone to know, not even my close friends. The only person, people that knew in the initial stages was my mum and my sister. And, but yeah, I just got myself to a point where I was I was really struggling just just day to day, and it was I, I was struggling to find a way of bucking the trend and and changing it and trying to get myself back to my normal self. Yeah, for me that sort of it came from a few different measures which helped me get out of that, but it was definitely a three or four month period, which is probably the the, the hardest part of hardest time in my life, I could say. And good on you, firstly, for being so open and sharing that. And secondly, for being able to to get through it. And you were saying it wasn't catastrophic, but I think when you add all those different elements together and, and, and them all happening at once, it can be tough on anybody. And being a footballer, you are a public figure. And I guess you have, you know, talking about the start, we're talking about fans. The reality is you have thousands and thousands of fans. You've got, you know, millions of people watching you on television or seeing you in stadiums. Man, that is a lot of pressure. I mean, yeah. let's not take away what it is. It's like a, an artist singing on stage and you, and you know, you don't want to go flat on a note on a song if you're singing live because you're thinking, oh, people are going to hate me if they don't think I'm, I'm great at what I do. People are paying a ticket to see me. People are invested. And that that is tough. And I think just firstly to say that any footballer that's able to deal with that Firstly, kudos to you because it is a lot. And I think adding to that all the other stuff around your world, it is a lot to deal with. And one of the things that you touched on just before that is really interesting is life beyond football. And I think for you, you you were very blessed as well that you studied a degree. You were working a few months in, in, in architecture. And I think football from what I understand of it up until your mid-30s you tend to like move on to another career or you might stay in football but in a different role and that's another thing you have to think about too because football is only one part of your life so how do you feel about 
thinking about your future, but also being comfortable with the present and enjoying the moment. That's part of the ups and downs of the footy world is it's you're quite volatile in the sense that it can end for you at any any point in time, whether it be through a long-term injury or, or an ongoing lack of form. And you kind of have to sort of obviously focus on the now and, and try and give, put your best foot forward in terms of playing football at the high standard and um, trying to create a, a football career for yourself. But you also have to subtly be aware that things can change dramatically because that's just the industry you're in. And sort of pre-planned for that. So that for me, even though I, yeah, even though I had that sort of architecture background and a little bit of uni behind me, which a lot of people would say I'm in a fortunate position because I've got a bit of a backup plan. Mm-hmm. It's still something that even to this day sort of plays on my mind. I'm, I'm not 100% sure what I'd like to be doing life after footy. And that, ha- that comes with its added stress just to what's going on around you. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. A lot of people can sit there sort of at their office jobs or desk jobs and even though they may not be enjoying it, they've got a level of security with their, um, their work. Uh, whereas ours is, it's forever changing. The, the environment where you, you may be dropped one week, playing the next, having an off season, like things are just mo- constantly moving. So you just have to sort of learn to adapt and, and sort of, I guess, just be up for, for what things can, uh, to get thrown at you in such a short period of time. So it's an interesting space. It's one I'm definitely up for the right for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm also not complaining. It's, um, it's a great industry to be a part of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. And you're using your voice and using your, I guess, your position in as a public figure for social good with Mendel. On that, how, because you've recently created Mendel, have you found that people have learned a lot more about your journey? Have you sort of been able to start these wonderful and open conversations with others that you might not have had originally? It has, in the sense, my story hasn't really been publicised too much. Um, and that's through a mixture of my own sort of lack of putting myself out there but I'm sort of at a point now where I'm more than happy to to talk about these things hence the reason I'm on here chatting to you as well (laughs) because obviously if I'm creating something like Mendel which I'm passionate about there's no doubt that people would probably like to hear my reasoning behind it so I'm completely aware that my story has to come with that to some degree like you said the the teammates probably didn't know a lot about what I was going through at the time because I I tried to internalize a lot of it but there's questions being asked about oh what like why Mendel and and whatnot and it's something I'm more than comfortable sort of talking about and I have found off the back of that that there's been guys outside of my football circle of friends also some other mates and and people that I don't actually know terribly well just sort of reaching out to say that they're they're quite proud of what I've done and then also sort of drawn upon their own dealings with mental health which yeah which does give me sort of like a smile on my face to hear that people are more than comfortable to sort of come to me for a chat or to reach out because a lot of people out there going through a lot of similar experiences, which I've had. Um, so it's um, it's great to see that they're happy to sort of reach out and have those chats. Yeah, you're changing lives, you know. And even if you just change one life with Mendel, then you've done your job and you're obviously changing many, many. And what are your goals for Mendel, but mental health in Australia in general? Because as we know, mental health, particularly in men and suicide rates in men are extraordinarily high. And with COVID-19, unfortunately, that's on the rise again. Do you have certain goals that you would personally love to achieve and and make an impact in men's lives? Yeah, for us, the idea of clothing was to sort of have, we sort of wanted to culminate this idea of something that's fashionable that people want to wear because they think they look good but also with this hidden message behind it, creating conversations. So I know that these donations that the nonprofit brand give to the charities of the month aren't going to be sort of astronomical and, and sort of do great things in the mental health space. It's more the idea behind giving back. But what we try to aim to do with Mendel is for people to sort of recognise the name or the brand itself and to sort of have this sort of like hidden handshake between either their mates that are wearing it or the stranger in the street that they see the brand and sort of understand that they have that subtle acknowledgement towards their own mental health but also those around them so for me the long-term goal for Mendel is to kind of 
target those guys who maybe not may not be open to the idea of mental health as well as they as I'd like them to be and to sort of have them sort of open up and wear the logo with pride because one, they think they look good, but two, also to be open to sort of have conversations with those around them that they care about. So yeah. I would love to see that sort of environment of conversations around, um, among men my age. So that sort of younger age bracket to start having some more open and honest conversations. Love it. Absolutely love it. And for those who don't know, what does Mendel stand for? So Mendel, I came up with it myself. Um, I wanted something sort of quirky. Uh, but it's essentially just an acronym for the words, the three words, mending men's mental. I love it. I absolutely love that. Mending yeah. men's mental because it is. And I love how mending is also associated with clothing. Like when you've got a little, like you've got a oh, hole in a top, yeah. you mend it. Was that, a t- was that intentional? No, you picked up. I'd never even heard that before. <laughs> there you I'd, go. I'll just I'd give like that to hope you. that our clothes don't have holes in them. <laughs> no, they're top quality. But if someone accidentally puts a hole in it, they just mend it. And then they mend can also that. mend men's mental health. Or they can buy another top and then they can mend men's mental health that way because obviously, you know, all profits go to men's mental health charities. No, I absolutely love it. You are an absolute gem, uh, Mitch. It's absolutely been great talking to you. Don't go anywhere because right after this, we're going to talk a little bit about what you're grateful for. Did you know Hapow is on socials? Come and say hey. Follow us at HapowAU and be sure to check us out at hapow.com. This week, we asked you who you look up to and why. And here's what you had to say. Someone who I look up to is Anna Richards. She is a globally known professional network marketer who impacts thousands of people. Anna eats, moves and thinks like she loves herself and encourages us to do the same. Her bubbly contagious energy and how she shows up for not only herself, but others too, is something I aspire to be like. Someone who I look up to is my mum because she works very hard and is so kind in any situation. Brene Brown and Simon Sinek. They're going to change the world and change how people view themselves and those around them for generations to come. Someone I look up to a lot for many reasons is Jacinta Ardern, the New Zealand Prime Minister. She just is is amazing in how she goes about her business and, and achieving some great things for New Zealand and how she's leading young women around the world and, and empowering them to push themselves to achieve greatness in their lives and to make the world a better place. You know, I watched a video of Matthew McConaughey a couple of years ago and that stuck with me ever since. But he said that the person he looks up to is himself 10 years from now. That's always just been a powerful message to forge my own path and look up to who I'm going to be in 10 years. So a little bit cheesy, but that's the answer. I'm Carissa Shale, and that's this week's talk topic. Got something to share? Drop us an email, yoursay at hapow.com. Learn epic life skills in a super chill way. Sign up for free at hapow.com. All right, Mitch, the time has come. Something big and small that you're grateful for. I ask every interviewee this question. And may I just say, when it comes to the small thing, it can be trivial. I've had all sorts of different responses. They make me laugh and they make me smile and they make me question them a little bit. But either way, there is no right or wrong here. Okay. <laughs> What's something big that you're grateful for? Uh, for me, since we've been we've been touching on the mental health space, I know it's probably a very common answer, but it has to be my family, my immediate family. For me, they're spread all over the country. I've got a, a dad in Adelaide, a mum that's in Victoria, a sister in Queensland and a sister in Sydney. So at one point in time, we we're obviously all together, but now we're all spread apart. But during my own mental health battles and just sort of conversations in general, I know that I can sort of draw upon them for 
all sorts of levels of support. So I know that during that tough time I went through, if it wasn't for them, I might be in a different place. So incredibly grateful for my my immediate family. Family super important. Having connection around you, especially when you can't physically see each other, knowing that they're always there, just a phone call away or a right. FaceTime makes all the difference, hey? Plenty of FaceTimes over the last couple of months. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> do you use particular apps like, or do you just do the, the, the standard FaceTime? Or do you use like Facebook Messenger? Do you use like House Party? I've been doing them all, to be honest. I've had a couple of house parties with some mates. Good fun just purely because of some of the trivia questions they've got on it. But I've never sort of dabbled in Zoom, but I've, I've, I've been doing Zooms nonstop lately. So probably my video calling platform of choice. <laughs> That's something big you're grateful for. I'm grateful for Zoom, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Zoom will pay you later for that. They'll pay you cash for comment. Now, something small that you're grateful for. As I said, it can be trivial. It can be anything. It could be your beanie that you're wearing. It doesn't have to be anything flashy. Look, I was going to say, when I thought about this beforehand, I was going to say the fact that I live in an apartment, which is obviously convenient to being in the city. And mm. what I was going to say was that my doorstep is the, the tan walking track. I love sort of going out there and and just like, I pretty much walk every night, but seeing as it can be as trivial as anything. Um, no, but that's a, that's a good answer. But okay, all right, give me a trivial one now that I've set <laughs> I was you up. Say, like obviously the, the footy world itself comes with a few perks and one that I've luckily been able to sort of catch on to is somehow I get free kombucha. So, oh, I'm so <laughs> jealous. You're kidding. Yeah, so. Like get, how often do you get free kombucha? Yeah, so like I'll get three cases of it every month and stop it that's a really really good saving because kombucha i mean it's not expensive but it's not cheap either if you're having it all the time probably one of those drinks that you probably don't have every day or maybe every now and then but like i've got so much i'm just like dishing it off to a few friends (laughs) and so i'm I'm incredibly grateful for that i can't say that in my later life i'll be getting dished off free kombucha so yeah taking it (laughs) The, the biggest question i have to ask you is your favorite flavor oh i love the um the plum one actually to be honest which one's the plum the one? Cherry, cherry plum? Cherry it's got plum. The purple, I recently it's got, purple, it's got the purple logo. Okay, because I've had my favorite is the raspberry, but it depends yes. on the brand that you're talking about. But the I did have one last night that was called, I think it was called gin, ginger cherry or something like that. So maybe it was a combination of cherry and ginger, and it was actually really good. It was a bit okay. like cough syrup, but better. It kind of start off that way and then you kind of acclimatize, I think. <laughs> exactly when you first open it's like oh that's strong but then yeah you're right it gets better with every sip (laughs) next minute we're going to have uh kombucha companies come on the show we'll probably have to have them as a sponsor if you're listening please sponsor this show (laughs) right after this we're going to do what i call the favorite part of every single show and that of course is the challenge are you excited i am looking forward to it i'm a bit nervous actually (laughs) you'll be fine i promise want to power up life Download your free Power Pack wallpapers at herpower.com. All right, Mitch, the time has come where we play the challenge. Now, this particular challenge, well, it's brand spanking new to her power in the sense that you wouldn't have been able to play it anywhere else. And it's called Pick Your Pillar. Now, on her power's website, we have six content pillars where all our awesome life skills info and masterclass and all that sort of stuff sits in. And because of that, we thought, well, let's create a competition that sort of gives you and I, whoever my interviewees, a chance to answer some questions based on a particular topic. Now, our six content pillars are health and wellness, relationships, DIY, community, career, and I always always forget one at the end. Brendan, you want to weigh in? Which one did I forget? 
Money, money. Money. Oh, that's important. We need money. Money makes the world go around. Okay, money. So there's the six content pillars. And you and I will be given a an opportunity to choose one content pillar each at one time. So you can choose relationships. I could choose health and wellness. And we answer a question that Brendan will give us. So it'll be a true or false question. If we get the answer right, we get a point. If we get it wrong, we don't get a point. The person who gets the most amount of points in the end wins. How do you feel? Cool. I'm all for it. <laughs> How are you good? Are you good at trivia? Oh, in some categories I am. And then, like I said before, I'm, I'm a little bit vague on just general media and, and personalities and movies and stuff. So I'm hit and miss. We'll see how we go. All right, all right. Well, luckily in this game, you get to choose your pillar. So, you know, because I'm a genuine, kind-hearted person, I'm going to let you pick first. What pillar would you like? Let's go careers. Career. Okay. All righty. Here we go. Your question under career, Mitch. True or false? In the AFL, if I am a crummer, I play in defense. False. False. That's correct. <laughs> Good choice. I feel like this is uh, rigged for me to lose. <laughs> All right. Uh, my turn to pick. I'm going to do health and wellness. Health and wellness. True or false, coffee will dehydrate you. Ooh. Now, I'm going to probably say true because I know that when you have green tea, which has caffeine in it, you have to drink like two glasses of water per one glass of green tea or something. Now, if there's caffeine in coffee, which there is, I reckon it will dehydrate you. Sorry to say it's actually false. Co- <laughs> coffee <laughs> coffee can actually help you hydrate yourself, studies really? have shown. There you go. Wow, That's got there me. There you go. I was so sure. I look at me. I gave the full reason why it was true, and then I was wrong. That's embarrassing. All right, your cho- your choice. What do you want to pick? We'll go money. Money, money, money. All righty. True or false? According to the Association of Super Funds in Australia, for a comfortable retirement, you need around six forty k as a couple. I actually, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts in in the sort of money sphere. I think it actually might be true. I think they sort of average it out to be about 300 per person. You'd be correct. That's true. (laughs) Well done. You're in the know. All right. Okay. All right. Relationships. True or false. Physical affirmation is one of the five love languages created by Gary Chapman. Physical affirmation. Well, I can actually say I do know the five love languages. It's actually awesome. Mitch, do you know the five love languages? Have you heard of them? I've heard of them. Yeah. They're the best. Okay. So I'm pretty sure Brendan, you were dodgy because you just squished two love languages together and created a new one, which doesn't exist because it's physical touch and there's words of affirmation. There's no physical affirmation. So it's not, it's physical touch. Yep. That's correct. Yay. One on the board, (laughs) two Mitch, one Gianna. Okay. Go Mitch. Have we got health and wellbeing? I've already done that one. You've done that one? Uh, (laughs) Uh, You could do what's left. We've got a DIY or community. Go DIY. DIY. True bloke, true architect. (laughs) (laughs) True or false. If I am growing tomatoes, temperatures in the twenties are perfect. Is that DIY? (laughs) Well, you know what gardening is. Gardening is DIY. Yeah, no, it is. Do it yourself. Um, In the 20s. I would like to I'm going to say true. Go with your gut. True. I reckon it's true as well. It's a generic temperature, 20 degrees. I've got to grow in that. Yeah, it can't be too hot because then they'll melt and go yuck. (laughs) True. True. Lock it in, Eddie. Yeah, lock that one in. That's correct. Well done. I think I've lost the game because he's got three and I've got one, but I'll go for it anyway. What's left? The last one is community. True or false? Wasting less food is a way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Wasting less food. What do you mean wasting less food? So not throwing out as much. Uh, isn't it meant to stop greenhouse gases because you're trying to, you're trying to 
um, have leftovers so that you're not cooking as much on the stove. So true. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Thank goodness. And actually a fun fact, more than a third of food around the world actually never makes it to the table. It actually a gets third. thrown out in like transit or in production. Wow. That's horrible. That Alrighty. What's up, what else is horrible is that I lost this game, but that's okay. <laughs> Sorry to go straight from Trey. Well done, Mitch. <laughs> No, you were really good. You were awesome. For someone who says you hit and miss with trivia, I think you, you bang on with trivia. So uh, I think you cut yourself short. Although you did say before, I don't really, you know, watch much media or aware of the media. Oh, I listen to money podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fair to say if I had got the, um, the love affirmation one, I would have been stuck. So yeah. I'm glad I palmed that one off. Oh, that's all right. Look, that's what we're here for, supporting each other. And uh, thank you so much for coming on our our show. We've absolutely loved having having you on. How can people follow Mitch Hannon, keep up to date with Mendel? What's the socials? What's the websites? Sure. So our Mendel is purely uh, an online business at the moment, which is www.mendel.com.au. Um, and then we've obviously got our socials running as well. So our, our Instagram handle is underscore Mendel underscore. And um, for Facebook, it's at Mendel Movement. So there are major platforms. So if you want to find out a little bit more about it there, um, check it out online. And if they can follow you, if they want to know a little bit more about Mitch's personal life that you love to share on sure. the socials. <laughs> uh, probably. Yeah, no, I'm happy to. Socials <laughs> is probably, um, Instagram is probably best as well. So I think it's uh, just Mitch Han. M-I-T-C-H-A-N. Very nice. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you for opening up and sharing your wisdom and your own personal journey. No doubt that this show and everything that you're working on is going to change so many lives. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me. At the start of this ep, I said Mitch Hannon is a legend, and now you too can see why. I hope you got a lot out of this episode, just like I did. As Mitch was alluding to, you can learn more about his social enterprise, Mendel, and browse through their latest range by visiting their website, Mendel, M-E-N-D-L, or hit them up on Insta and Facebook. Love this episode of Power Up Life? Why not leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app? By doing so, you're helping us reach even more people just like you. Want to be a Her Power Advocate and contribute to our weekly talk topics and more? Email us at yoursay@herpower.com. And don't forget to follow us on socials. Simply look up Hapow AU, which is H-A-P-P-O-W-A-U, to follow us and stay in the know. This episode of Power Up Life was produced by me, Gianna Lucas, Maria Dukadinovska, and Carissa Shale for the Hapow Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Power Up Life, a Hapow podcast. If you loved this episode, be a legend and leave us a quick rating and review on your fave podcast app. Dive into the show notes for all episodes on our website, hapow.com forward slash podcast. Catch you next time and remember to power up life. Power up life.